Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, an unofficial podcast on the FX television series. Fargo Talks Fargo is hosted by me, Bill, and my buddy, Sharpie. This season of Fargo Talks Fargo is sponsored by Fargo Brewing and their Wood Chipper IPA. We'll tell you more about that later in the show. We're also sponsored today by Audible.com. We'll tell you how later to tune in, check it out. Sharpie will make a recommendation on how you can get your own free book when you sign up for Audible. If you're already signed up, well, then just go get the book Sharpie recommends later. So, yeah, I got until a then, recommendation. Yeah, it's going to be wild. So, uh, we had our hot dish the other night. Anyone who hasn't listened to those or doesn't, we give all sorts of uh, cake about that. And uh, so here we are talking about season two, episode three, the myth of Sisyphus. Oh my god! <laughs> I did the same thing last time. Yep. <laughs> I haven't even had a beer. Maybe that's wrong? the problem. Well, what? The myth of Sisyphus, not syphilis. Syphilis. Yeah, that was which you also time. has its own myths. I have to say uh, that Yamasuki singer song in my head, 100%. I woke up this morning and I was like, Yep. I'm like, why? Why is it so good? Oh, we don't need to go into that. So if you want to know what's up with that, go check out the hot dish and listen to it. We talk about it right away. Yeah, that's it's the great, opening. We, uh, the song we, in the opening credits. Yep, song in the opening credits. So we don't need to go crazy on that. I don't think we even need to talk too crazy about um, Hansi in the woods with the rabbit. And he's the only kid who doesn't clap. And I don't know. There's there's so many things I feel like we could go deep catalog on here. And I don't know if they completely matter to every tidbit of the story. Do you agree? I agree. I think that scene's probably just adding a little bit more depth to his character. Um, yeah. And we're just getting little um, bits and pieces of that and sprinkles here and there, and I think that's really nice. And I, d- yeah. I don't think we have to go too far into that kind of stuff. Well, take us in there, Sharpie. But we do start off, uh, so after that, we, we dive right into that Gerhard home. And this is, this is interesting. So uh, you kind of mentioned earlier, um, as we were talking before, that he walks through the uh Hansy walks through the property to the Gerhardt house and he's sort of traveling over a burial ground essentially right like yeah, a yeah. Gerhardt burial ground and i think what you mentioned that was interesting about that is they're just establishing the history that these guys this is their land they've been on it for a long time there there's a lot of generations that have been around mm-hmm. this this neck of the woods yeah, and I, I think you know as much as I do that that's very typical on some old farmsteads around the region. Um, sometimes people will say they're buried on the property somewhere or whatever, or and if they're not, they've started a fall a, a small family plot somewhere on the edge of the premises or farm. So that's just so it's normal. But yeah, it's family history. They've they've been there long enough to have lived and died and buried people. Yep, and. While we're at the meeting of the minds in this sort of uh, Gerhardt, um, the compound, yeah, compound meeting room, creepy Nazi-ish mm-hmm. location. Yeah, uh, are you finding that even though Bear, I mean, clearly the audience is always on Bear's side because he seems like <laughs> somewhat a lovable guy. He's he he's not like the warmongering Dodd, but he's kind of disgusting to be around. <laughs> He is he's that way because he's always eating. I feel like that's always. something. I mean, and his name's Bear. He's always filling his mouth, but I notice he's always eating birds a lot. It's never like a steak. 
or a piece of pork. It's always um, like chicken and turkey, isn't it? Well, it's kind of hard to tell what's on his plate because they're all eating it's it. So a, I want to think it's like a dessert or a bread or something. It's just, a, it's just a giant hillock of shit. Because the guests all have like little dainty little pieces of whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. I was I paused it and I was looking at it. I was like, is that bread or cake or something? But he's got like four pieces on a giant dinner plate while everybody else has like tiny little dessertish yeah, type. He's a tea he's plates. a man with an appetite. But he, I think the thing with Bear that I notice uh, is that he definitely in the conversation he stands with his mother, always there, always backing it up. Yeah, mom, you know, mom says so, um, and yet. And and then in the scene, Dodd is just, he's aggressive. You know, the things I uh, wrote down is, you know, he's talking about a state of siege. This is our business. We built it. You can't just write a check. This is, I think, a little bit about what I brought up early in the season about, it's about small town America being taken over by corporations who think they can come in. You know, this is the, the Lowe's coming into town and shutting down your local hardware store, this kind of stuff. And it's got him pissed. And I think that, that's representative of the era. Like, that's happening yes. right now in America. Yes. Yeah. And, and and I think Baird doesn't know it, but Floyd does. She goes about it in a much more charming, Minnesota nice way, much like we'll talk about later with Mike Milligan. But Baird just kind of stands. They stand together, and, and he's, he's, man, Dodd's pissed. And Dodd, yeah, Dodd's ready for war. He, he wants to, he's ready for high noon, as they've mentioned a couple times in this show. He's the Blitzkrieg. Um, yeah, he's uh he he wants to he doesn't want this to be like a passive uh, a passive experience. He wants us to take hold of it and show these guys who's boss, even if they are the big city folk. Um, yeah. And Floyd mentions that they're not going to come out like it's high noon, guns a blazing, when kind of they did later on. Um, but then she also goes to mention um, how Kansas City is is like sharks. They're like all the sharks in the sea or something like that. Yeah, there's been a few references so, to don't yeah. trust things from the sea, uh, all that jazz. But uh made the note too about, you know, Bear agreeing with Floyd and then he says, know thyself. And um, because Noah Hawley loves all things, you know, Greek and parable and, and whatnot, um, it's actually Greek, uh, the know thyself, and it's a lot of people do think it's from the Bible, but if you kind of look it up, it's not really from the Bible, but it's basically a comment of don't be boastful, know who you are. And uh, Floyd knows this, Bear knows this, but that's just Bear sticking his head in there and saying to him, saying to Dodd, you know, dude, don't know yourself. Know your place. Biatch. Know your place. Know, know what the situation is, because if you don't, you're going to get your ass kicked, and I think that's what's going to happen. I I don't know how long Dodd is going to survive. He's too hot-headed. Um, I think he's got to be around for a while. He's just a pillar of that aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if that comes down, then what? It, it, there's there's really that force, that grinding force that's opposing the entire like will of everybody in the family won't exist. So he's got to be there for that. Yeah, and he, did you notice, uh, too, that, that he's like, right, Dad? Like... He knows the guy can't answer him, but he has to just say it almost in a manner of saying, no, dad's on my side. He's yeah, my right. guy. He's, He's my have... guy. The guy who can't move or talk is with me. Um, He's just beating down those doors of the gate. And Floyd, the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. We already, so we already talked about uh, the, the 
the German feel and flag behind. And I did have to pause again and look at it in nothing. And there's also in the picture frames behind there, there is what appears to be a picture of like an Indian chief, a Native American chief in the back there. So I think that's just really light history that I think Hansi and his family have probably been with the crew uh, for a while as well with history. But mm-hmm. I, I would say also standing in stark contrast to this scene is the meeting of Joe and Mike at the Pearl Hotel. How fun was that? I mean, <sighs> I just love when these two guys are on, on screen together. Their dialogue back and forth is so interesting, right down to right down to the brand name of the shampoo, the Agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, that little quip, that little Agreed. moment. <laughs> uh, because, you know, even the audience was confused. I mean, the, you're not thinking of a shampoo brand. Uh, so we were in the position of Mike Milligan, which I thought was really fun. We're like, did he just what? say agree? Like agree what? to what? Did I miss something? Yeah. And but Mike Milligan pulls it off kind of smoothly, and he kind of has this very comfortable smirk on, on his face as he leans back and he's like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, agree to what? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm talking like when I say like in stark contrast to a their conversations fun and light, right? So that's big contrast from. Gerhardt's to Mike and because and, they're uh, in Joe control, talking. they're the sharks. Or I don't know at least if they're that, in control. That's or what if they, they just feel. I mean, yeah, there you they go. feel that's that it. way because you know, like like um, Joe Bulo said, he's like, well, if we're gonna, if we got to kill him, we kill him. If we got to pay him more, we pay him more. It's not really that. It's not. It's not really up to us, and we'll just do whatever we got to do. <laughs> it's a it's a flow chart, Dan. <laughs> you know, it, answer yes or no. If yes, do this. If no, do this. The but shareholders are in charge. We're just it, uh, we just got to carry out the orders. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're the they're that they're corporate. so corporate. They're yeah. so corporate. And not only that, he chastises Mike for being late. Yeah, like like he punched in late. Like you're late. Yeah, <laughs> I'm halfway through breakfast, and, and he's busy dealing with all the slippery water that makes his hair feel funny. Can't get the shampoo out. <laughs> It's it's okay. I mean, it, it's it, that's that's what I think. That's what this scene sets up a little bit of, though. Is a their their place in all of this, and that deep down they're just they just follow orders and they're machines about it. That's right. And and he you know he thinks they'll he thinks they'll pass on it. You know, and and the market and he talks about the market. It's basically they're having a conversation about risk management and and just furthering the German thing. Though he calls her the Frau because it's, yeah. so it's very obvious they know their family history. So. And that. That goes by really quick, uh, the mm-hmm. Frau, and a lot. A lot of those little um, German references do. Uh, at least with Joe Bulo, they go by pretty quick. Like the the Frau, the Fakatka. Uh, yeah, he he's just so dismissive of her, and I feel like he could he could regret that later. Though I still, man, I, I well, you know, I, I want more. I want more Floyd, and I have a feeling that when we get her, it's going to be full tilt. Like when she finally comes unhinged and like releases the dogs that are all over the property as if it's some sort of military encampment, it's going to happen. So that was fun. So yeah. now, um, let's see. We're moving along. We got... Uh, oh, Lou driving. He he and... Uh, <laughs> I, were you trying to figure... I have to admit, had nothing to do with anything, but... Did I yeah. miss something? Uh, Hank is like at an upside down overturned car. I loved he's, that frame. And I, doing, I didn't even notice it until I saw it the second time. But I thought it was funny that he's doing something completely different and then still talking about the gun that evidently has Rye's fingerprints on it. Because he's obsessed with it. I know, I know. Well, he's obsessed with that in the shoe. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. He, <laughs> he's I mean, like, got to find no, this. The, he's no got to find the right the guy. No mention of the, oh, I'm, I'm on the scene. Or did I miss it? That he was like, oh, I'm on the scene of a rollover here. <laughs> nope, just talking. Like, well, okay, then, well, I guess. And See you later. rollovers are, you know, common in country areas like that in the middle of winter. Yeah. So maybe it's be just careful. another rollover. Yeah. Lou knows he's on the right path. He heads to Fargo, and that is where we meet Ben Schmidt. Schmitty. Schmitty. So this is pr- pr- this is pretty interesting because we meet Ben Schmidt and he's clearly a Fargo. Well, he's a Fargo police officer at this time, right? Um, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's bought and paid for. He is definitely bought and paid for, and this is turning out to be an interesting character. Now we kind of see the backstory of Schmidt because, um, for those who don't remember, Ben Schmidt was in um, season one of Fargo. Now, obviously, this is like thirty years later. So he's an older guy, and he happens to be a commanding officer, but up in Duluth. And he happens to yeah. be uh, Gus Grimley's superior. Gus Grimley being uh, the pretty much the protagonist, uh, along with Molly, of season one. So you're suggesting this is for sure the same guy? I think, yeah, I mean, I think so. It's, do you think or because do you th- of what happened is what makes him so, yeah? I think that you know, whatever goes down in Sioux Falls at high noon well, really loose. kind of disturbs everybody and creates this sort of wave that probably pushes everybody away from Sioux Falls. Some well, Lou- big, like, catastrophic event happens, and that wave just kind of pushes everybody out of the region, like, up to Duluth and stuff. So, I mean, I don't... It could be... I mean, there could certainly be two Ben Schmitz. That's uh, there's definitely a lot of Ben Schmitz. <laughs> there's, in Fargo. there's a lot of sh- there's a lot of Schmitz. I uh, yeah, because season one he talks about bodies being stacked up or something like yeah. that in season so, one. season one anyway. But and uh, he's kind of just a dork in season one. Uh, yeah, yeah. And now you know why because he just he is a dork. He's always been a dork. He's he always has. been a dork. Well, he doesn't have any power because the the London London cards, Jesus. The Gerhards um, already have them. Speaking of Lundergaard, though, I'm reading ahead. Sorry, in our rundown. Nice here, segue. But, uh, but uh, thanks to at Chris or at Salvage Chris, he pointed out something that I don't think I caught the first time around. Maybe you did. I did not. Uh, I mean, I saw the guy walk by, but I didn't really associate him as like a, a Lundergaard lookalike. Yeah, there is a but total he, Jerry Lundergaard looking guy down he, in the coat, the scarf, and the hat. Yeah, he walks very, by. He kind of awkwardly walks by, and that's what caught my attention, is that guy goes by in the background, and it's almost, like, out of place. I don't know if the guy makes eye contact with the camera or his eyes no, are, he like, doesn't. pointing. No, he doesn't. He, no, just, he, just, he just, just walks right through. I mean, I, when I went to look for it, I almost missed it. I had to, like, back it up and watch it one more time. I remember it happening, but I, I'll admit, I didn't, I didn't associate it with Lundegaard, but I thought it was weird. So maybe subconsciously I was like, oh, that seems also, familiar. Also, I would not say that that garb would be out of style for even that era, though. No. That hat, you see people walking around with that hat. And I don't want, I'm sorry, I got to backtrack for just one second. Going on the whole, you know, we're from here, so we get to have our own point of opinion on stuff. <laughs> the uh, the opening scene uh, outside of Fargo, where the Gerhardt compound is, totally not Fargo. Meaning, we do not have that much in the way of evergreen trees like that that kind of woods that's correct which it's fine 
There, in fact, you know, I think nearly every tree that's in Fargo was rot here. <laughs> <laughs> By like, well, yeah, Norwegian yeah. I mean, settlers. it's just, and but they, it's, and they weren't bringing, they weren't bringing pine trees because they were bringing trees they needed to build houses with. No, and the the trees, the pine stuff is not that far from here. You know, if you yeah, go to right. Bemidji, where last season took place, which is only a couple hours, totally that kind of thing. But Fargo, definitely not. Out here is lots of other stuff. So anyway, whatever doesn't. That's not a big deal. But I sometimes I forget that we're supposed to be making commentary about because I'm so into the show. I keep forgetting to talk about how Bring certain in things the local are for here. Perspective. Bring in the local perspective. I mean, but yeah. I will say. Our courthouse has that kind of feel. It's very old. It's been there for a long time. Yeah, you can basically um, feel the uh, creeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 like that. So, um, not the federal but, courthouse though. No, that's brand new. Um, it's pretty awesome. But, you know, World War One is over. Bad news is, say hello to Adolf Hitler. Is the line, line that happens when the guy walks by, which is maybe why I didn't see the guy because I was still focused. I'm so focused on this. That was a great line. This and German, that was this German stuff from Ben and Schmidt, this, and I mean. That guy is such a poop that he he tells Lou Salverson that it'd be easier to just admit to the crime yourself and go to jail for the rest of your life than deal with the Gerhards. Yeah, but we've we'll find out later. Everyone's seen the show. We'll find out later. I mean, sure. the Gerhards know his mother Maud. You know, what do you do when the, the judges are bought and paid for? Half the police force probably has somebody to some point in their pocket, and on top of that. Floyd knows your mom and you know it's you, you don't even he's one okay I can't talk about that <laughs> we, can, we don't need to but anyway that's the whole thing is you know let's put it this way <laughs> Ben Schmidt's life is foobar <laughs> yeah Ben Schmidt so, Ben Schmidt sucks so yeah but um, we do know it, he'll survive though so there's that if if the, if he is the same guy if which I think he very ben well Schmidt. could be he very well could be so um Seeing as I brought the Gerhards back up again, we we do have the quick scene between Simone and Hansi where she just just wants to bust a nut uh, and he eats the rabbit heart. Um, I don't know how much is to that, uh, but it's it's still she's she's got daddy issues. I think is what we learn right away, right there. Well, have you seen her dad? I mean, Jesus well, Christ. <laughs> I, well, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What what girl of that age talks to somebody like that and finally just admits, well, you know, whatever. She's um, also, um, you know, a teenage girl in the 70s. I mean, she's she wants to do her own thing. She wants to just be like a free living. Smoke a spliff. Yeah. She wants to just smoke some weed and chill out. Yeah. And, but, you know, not be in a people-killing mobster family. <laughs> exactly. She just, she just, you know. Little did she know. Later, just years down the road, Cindy Lauper would let her know that girls just want to have fun. Yep. Couldn't help myself. Sorry. Um. So well, we see a little bit of this. That song every day. <laughs> I think that's How what do you, you think. Play? I get ready. Isn't that what you play when you're uh, getting ready in the morning? How'd you combing know? that beard? <laughs> I thought you told you to take down that camera from my bathroom, yo. Um. We we do have a little blip at the the sheriff station, just establishing that we're we're getting back together with uh, with Hank, and he's got some things percolating. Um, and he ends up heading over to the Dazzle Hair Salon, and um, we talked about this at the show. I think you made some really excellent comments about the color, and I I don't know I should look it up because whoever did the color grading for this is 
I hate to say it, I, I hate to say it this way, but it's like everything's kind of Instagram, but not like the shitty Instagram. Like <laughs> the cool, everything has a slightly faded feel, but yet everybody feels real. They don't feel yellow, like all the skin tone is great and all that, but it they, these these reddish oranges and blues and browns. Yeah, you said just, it before. You it, it's like you're looking at a 1970s photograph the whole time. Yeah, and it's just, it's there's all these colors that I would love to sit down. I mean, like, still, no, Holly, if you ever tune in, you don't even have to come on the podcast. Just, can you send me an email and just explain a couple nuggets to me? I won't tell anyone until later, <laughs> please. But um, even the salon, the posters in the back of the salon um, have blue and orange stuff in them. And it's, it's, it's everywhere you turn. And did we establish, I wrote this in the notes, Maybe you brought it up before. We knew it was 79, but the po- the calendar behind, um, please remind me of uh, the the boss's the, name uh, in the salon. Is it, what's her face? I don't remember. Ah, crap, we suck, whatever. Yeah. Peggy's boss. Uh, it, the, the calendar, is, as long as the calendar's correct, it's March of 1979. Yeah, we haven't established yeah. that yet. We did know it was the beginning of the year. Uh, we mm-hmm. did know that because we knew we just had we knew we just had the new year, uh, and it explains a lot about the amount of snow to me. I I remember thinking earlier, oh, it's got to be November. That's why there was the turkey. Now we're getting into March. Things are maybe warming up a tish, and some of that big snow is disappearing. Just getting to the edge of that, where yeah, because otherwise, if it was February, man, people would be wearing the hardcore Jerry Lundegaard, uh, like super heavy parka. Yeah, I mean March is still pretty fucking cold. <laughs> it sucks. Don't get me wrong. We'll have like a we we it's will have still a March pretty day. Pretty fucking cold until like uh, I don't know June twenty ninth. No, well, here let's tell people quick weather wise. Who care? It, it's really January and February are crazy cold. Like crazy cold. Like like nose fall off cold. Negative negative twenty degrees Fahrenheit and. Wind chills down in the negative forties, you know. All like, don't this have stuff. your iPod on you when you go outside because it will no, explode. It'll just, it'll just, yeah, <laughs> but but you can get into March and have a randomly nice day where you're like, holy cow, it was like thirty five today, and things will start melting, and you're like, wow, early spring, and then a week you're later, like, this is awesome, and a, and you'll be winter be wasn't that one, so bad. <laughs> there's always that one guy who puts on shorts way too early. <laughs> I call like bumping his way across some college campus. Yep. And then and then like four days later out. Four days later we get eighteen inches of snow. And everyone's like, Oh shit. And you always <laughs> want to blame it on that one guy. You know, you wouldn't have put on the goddamn shorts. Okay, so we have And it's the same far. thing. So every it's March. Year. It's March. An odd uh, month. And and Peggy Oh yeah, it is. And Peggy wants to be the best me I can be. Because she didn't ask permission. She's gonna She's gonna go to her Wellspring event. That little tart, tart. Life spring, tart, or is it life spring? Yeah, life spring. You're right, life spring. Of course it is. But that brings us to the first clip. Do you want to lead us into this clip that we're gonna play? Um, yeah. So this is just another nod, uh, being that this is fan fiction of Fargo. Uh, this is just yet another. Oh crap! This is yet another nod to the movie Fargo. Um, you know, Coen Brothers universe. We got we got to pull out all these things, but. We talked about this clip uh, last season, last season. Uh, yep. with Marge Gunderson. And Marge Gunderson has a little bit of a monologue there towards the end of Fargo when she's got Gare in the in the cruiser. And 
she's talking about, you know, what's this all about? What's it all worth? Is is it really worth like screwing up all these lives for just a little bit of money? Like, is is that what we've come to? Um, she's just trying to wrap her head around it because she's just this, you know, super innocent, wholesome Midwestern gal that's just trying to trying to find the good things in the world. And uh, then this, then stuff like this happens. So uh, Hank Larson is. Hanging up a poster. Hang, hanging out with them, and he just gives a little nod to that scene, which is a great scene. Everybody remembers that scene from the movie Fargo. Yeah. Um, and during the scene, starting at 1511, if you've bought the TV show on uh, iTunes or whatever you have, I just also noticed that on the counter is like the Barbasol container that is blue, you know, the stuff that you put the combs in, and then there's a bunch of orange um, hair things on There's there probably just, dinosaurs in there. God, it's crazy. But uh, so here's... Here's the scene that's definitely a nice nod to Marge, Gunderson, and Gare at the very end of Fargo. You think so? Yeah. City boy, turns out. Right, Gerhardt. Raised out the proper moral fiber, I'm thinking. I mean, to, to kill all those people. And for what? You know, a little money? You know, I was thinking last night. That's you. You found. Here comes future train. Molly here. Yep. What if that's got something to do with the murders? Something how? Well, you said yourself the shooter left his vehicle behind, so I'm thinking, what if he walked out onto the road and got himself hit by a car? Like a hit and run? Yeah. I mean, you found glass in the road. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, skid marks. So I'm thinking, what if the killer goes after poor Denise? Shoots her in the parking lot, and then inadvertently gets himself struck by a passing motorist. Hey, Peg, didn't you say that? I'm sorry, but that just don't make sense. I mean, how come the motorists don't stop if they hit a person? Hmm. Run them over, I mean. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with Peggy. It's not like you're going to just drive home with a Gerhardt in your windshield and you know, start supper. <laughs> I can't oh I love the way was it Denise yeah that's what her name was Denise right did I just hear that correct the boss who just all of a sudden was like hey didn't you uh she was I mean just gonna bring up the hitting the deer thing you yep. knew she was yep and uh I she's gonna put it together mm-hmm. he, here's here's the thing I did this isn't me this is and I don't remember where I read it I read a couple things right before we got online here together um, somebody said she'll figure it out. She'll maybe try to use it to blackmail her to, you know, get a little kissy FaceTime with her. I don't oh. know if that's possible. I uh, I love this scene, um, not only because of the dialogue, but the visuals. Um, obviously, we've co- we've covered the color things and, and everything like that, but um, there is a shot in this scene that I think is really awesome, and it's you're talking about the mirror. Yeah, it's when yes. it's when Betsy is talking to Hank and yes. they're both the the camera's obviously on them but we yes. have two mirrors up in the salon and in one you're seeing um you're seeing Peg just kind of squirming as she's sweeping up hair uh yeah. you, you see you sense her just total sense of uncomfort or discomfort <laughs> um and then you see Denise uh in the other in the other mirror so we've got yeah. four people in the frame Two of which are directly behind us, the viewer, which kind of is that 
a play up of that split screen too, like where you where where you're able to see yes. two things at one time on completely, you know, in completely separate areas, but yet they're not doing a split screen. It's we're we're getting to see a hundred, we're getting to see 360 degrees of the room almost at the same time. Yes. And I'm I'm so glad you said that. And that was not in the show rundown for either of us. <laughs> I was just gonna talk about it. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's awesome. And and to pull that off and and there's no crew, there's no cameraman, there's like there's mirrors everywhere. Yes. You know and, he has and, like, and glass and Yeah, right. Totally cool. So that was cool. So if you if you do own the show, just go back and, and rewatch that for fun because it is fun. It's totally worth it. We 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 pop back in because Peggy um, busts her nut, and she's like, "Holy shit! I gotta go talk to Ed. This we gotta we gotta. There's still a mess we need to clean up, and it's the car. They're onto uh, us. And if you notice, and if you notice, like I brought up that, and they once she goes in the meat shop, I had to pause it so I could actually zoom in after watching it live last night and downloading the high def version. Um, the girl in the meat shop in Buds is reading the Myth of Sisyphus. So nice little. I love all those little touches. I like them a lot. And other hot catch is the uh, when she first walks in, there's a pile of ground beef in the window. And then oh, a, yes. a, a, a loaf of challah bread. Uh, uh, <laughs> a big ass pile of just ground meat, just uh, baking, baking on the windowsill. <laughs> I mean, it's not refrigerated or anything, it's just sitting there in the sunlight. You know that isn't ref- it's refrigerated because it's March, I suppose. In Laverne, Minnesota, and that window is cold as hell because it's a single pane of yeah, glass. Yeah, don't so, be fooled by uh, don't be fooled by the sunny days because in the winters in Fargo or Laverne or any part of that country, that sun holes. will that sun will fucking mess with you because it'll be yeah. sunny and beautiful out looking. It'll be sunny looking, and it'll be like, all right, looks awesome outside. And then you step outside and it's twenty below. Yeah. We need to talk about our sponsors here. And this this week, I'm going to talk first about Audible.com. So Audible.com is a fantastic way to listen to books. And I I don't, I, I tend to, I'm driving more than I should for living in a smaller town like Fargo. But that said, I love listening to audiobooks. And Audible.com is the way to go to do that. So here's the deal. If you go to audibletrial.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo, you can sign up and get a free 30-day trial. And when you sign up, you will get a free download of a book. And if you don't keep the trial after those 30 days, no big deal. You keep the book. It's yours forever. And that's that's the best part. So if you like it, you can listen to it again. Because like I've talked about, I've listened to Kitchen Confidential more than once. I know that. because, Or I've tuned into certain chapters because it was just so fun listening to Anthony Bourdain. That's a book we've recommended. And so if you go do that, you you can sign up for the account and that every week every month when you sign up, you will be able to get a book. They'll give you a credit, you go get a book for the price that they do. And I love it because sometimes I I build up my credits and I know I'm going on like a vacation or a long trip and I'll get like a couple and I'll just like blast through a bunch of books. But it's totally the way to do it because if you're already a podcast listener if you're listening to this, so why wouldn't you listen to a book? It just seems natural to do that and there are so many great people who read books at audible.com and these they have this thing so dialed in. And even better, the other thing is if you're like, well, I'm not so sure. I like podcasts, but I'm not in that. Well, guess what? If you read Kindle books, they have WhisperSync and it will know between your Audible book that you're listening to and with, with WhisperSync 
and your Kindle book where you left off. So you can read or listen and switch back and forth and it'll catch your place wherever you are. So That's with that said, neat. Sharpie. I've it's never actually kick-ass. used that feature. Oh, I've done it. It's wild. So Sharpie, we, we need to give a recommendation. So if you sign up and you haven't already signed up, which we hope you do at audibletrial.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo, what book could they get? I'll tell you what they could get. Bill, step right up and tell them. This is a book by Peter Kleins, and it's called The Fold. Mm. I listened to this over the summer. It's about 11 hours, so it's a pretty quick one. Uh, it's pretty interesting. If it's And I'm a, I'm a sci-fi geek, so it's along those lines again. Uh, but it is... It's about, how can I get, I'll, I'll try to give you the gist of it without ruining anything. So basically, okay. it's, a, it's about a DARPA experiment where DARPA creates this contraption, this device. Uh, I think they call, it, uh, they, call it, they call it the Albuquerque door. And so DARPA creates the Albuquerque Sounds door. Sounds like something that could happen to you in jail. <laughs> what happened? Oh, man, he got the oh, Albuquerque he door. he got the old Albuquerque door. That guy's Followed dead. by the Dirty Sanchez. Oh, you were going sex. I was going with oh, the way no. to die. No, I wasn't. Uh, so they create this uh, device that, uh, in theory, is supposed to basically fold time, fold dimensions of time, in the in the sense of where, basically, basically the idea is to travel further, um, travel over large distances by only going a few steps. So you could essentially like step into Tokyo right now. It's basically a form of travel. That's the Albuquerque door. But there's something weird going on with this machine. And there's this sort of like small town high school uh, teacher kind of guy who's been mm-hmm. asked to come try to figure it out because he's basically just like a, a genius, a goodwill hunting kind of type guy. Sure. And uh, so he's the main character and they're trying to figure out, they're like, something is just not right about the door. It works. It seemingly works, but something is off in the universe. So whatever that is, you're going to have to find out. You're going to have to check out that book. It's awesome. I love it. Well, let's do this. Here you go. I just don't think it's that good, said Denise. It doesn't do anything for me. Becky bit back a smile, even though Denise couldn't see it over the phone. They'd had this conversation every other week for two months now. It still made for a good distraction, though, and helped fill up the time until Ben got home. It always worried her a bit when Ben was away. Ben was in charge of high-security projects, mostly weapons, often in high-risk areas. Granted, this had been one of the lowest-risk work trips he'd ever taken, just four days in Sandy. So that's a little sample. Man, I've never heard That's Ray Porter reading. I like that guy's voice. Yeah, he's got a great voice. And I often often (laughs) look for books uh, just based on the reader, too. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I just burned. <laughs> Done. Uh, just I just bought that. <laughs> you did. You're going to love it. Oh, man. It, it just looks good. <laughs> I, you didn't tell me ahead of time what it was, and I haven't done it. So uh, it's officially in my Audible account now. Cool. Thanks it's for awesome. the recommendation, Jeremy. Uh, I've started doing some sketches because I had this hankering to start doing movie posters for books that I read. Ooh, fun. Uh, so when you finish that, I'll show you what I've got working on that. That's my yeah. first one. So, okay, so uh, where where, where do we leave off? Oh, 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 oh. So let's get back uh, into the universe. 
Buds meets we Peggy and Ed have to fix their mess, and uh, we open at this, the Solverson house, right? Yes, that is that is correct. We we'd now be uh, so after the whole thing with the well, let's let's talk about the myth of Sisyphus real quick because sure sure because we just came out of the barber sh- or the meat shop and the gal Buds. working at the meat shop buds was reading the book so do you uh do you have any insight on what the myth of syphilis is <laughs> i think I, I mean i mean so so sisyphus he, he was yeah the guy's a dick and he's got all these things but in later he ends up his reward is that he gets to push this boulder up a hill and every time he does it comes back down so he's, he's a king things. right he's a yes he was he, he was. was a king but he was a greedy little bitch and kind of mm-hmm. kind of lived his life lavishly and and he was he's just a greedy guy so when he died he his punishment was essentially for eternity pushing this boulder up a hill only to have the boulder roll down every night so every morning he had to get that boulder back up to the top just this never yeah. ending chore yeah it's it's success and failure and over and over how do you relate that to this story because I think there could be a lot of Sisyphuses. Sisyphi? There could be a lot of Sisyphi going on in, in the Fargo universe right now. It could be it could be everybody. There's it no could clear be. yeah, exactly. Because everything's everything's sort of pushing everybody's trying to figure out what the fuck happened with Rye, right? Rye, so, yeah. And we, and nobody seems to be getting anywhere. And and there's no. all these everybody's got successes and failures and successes and failures and their successes aren't even like really successes (laughs) they're just like all trying to get something they're all trying to get somewhere and it seems kind of just like the wheels are spinning a little bit on that black ice well i mean ed and ed and peg they've got their boulder is basically that vehicle and their their marriage is that vehicle. Every day they get up and they try to figure out how to make it work. Right. Does it? I don't know. It sure doesn't look like it does. Uh, every day his mom and dad age, Dodd thinks he's getting closer to taking over the throne. And it turns out that even when his dad becomes incapacitated, he can't have it. Um, I don't think everyone. So I don't know if Floyd is, you know, Floyd is trying to get to the top of her game and, and you know, all this. But who knows? I Maybe we are Sisyphus. <laughs> We're trying to figure out every episode. We try to figure out what the hell Noah Hawley is doing, <laughs> and then every episode we start over and go, "Huh," which is great. I mean, the yeah, the parables and the mythology and the religion stuff. That's what gives yes us these things to talk about and think about, and that's why the writing in this show is awesome because you have that depth. You're not just you you. you I would recommend before you watch the show, before you watch the next episode. Look read at what the, it's called and read yes. the parable or whatever because that, then your gears are really turning the whole time and yes. everything yes. is deeper than it might seem, which is pretty fun. I mean, it just makes it way more enjoyable for me. So It is, it is. And it's what's connecting all these boulder pushers is essentially Rye and Rye's death. Maybe Rye's death was Sisyphus's death. Mm-hmm. And now we're boulder pushing, boulder pushing. I mean, there's a lot of people with a lot of disappointment. Correct. So, so I don't know. That's I don't know if we can ever truly know. I mean, we're just 
guessing on all this and we everybody who really, writes stuff and we don't really know anything. <laughs> this is yeah, but this is what the fun is. This is the fun, you know. Even if Noah Hawley came out and said, "Well, it's this," well, I mean, think about how many songs you've listened to in your life that you think it's about one thing, and then somebody tells you, "Oh, this is about my dog," and you're like, "Well, damn, that was my wife and I's song." <laughs> but who cares? Who cares? Could have been about drugs, mm-hmm. or could have been about Sweet so, Mary Jane. Yeah, down the lane. But but uh, eating grain. We end up at Rise Place. What a shame. We end up at Rise Place, right? No, we skipped. I skipped. Sorry, my bad. Uh, Molly's watching the Eagle's Nest, which I think is the 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 Gerhard compound. The Eagle's Nest is what they called mm. um, Hitler's little. Th- th- it was the Third Reich's castle that was like given to Hitler on his fiftieth birthday. Um, don't know if this will mean anything. Total wild stab in the dark. It's May. 1979. We don't know how late it is. No, it's March. Eagle's Nest. March, sorry. March. They all start with M. Uh, the Eagle's Nest was captured in April 25th. So, mm. will this story span a month yet? Or will it only span weeks? If so, if it happens in a month, will the Eagle's Nest be captured by then? That's interesting. Um, I yeah, know. I guess it depends on... When I mean, I'd like to know when the Duke is coming to town because that would that happen in like March or April? I don't know. I don't know. I Maybe don't know. because they're testing markets and stuff. So yeah, no doubt. So this could be just over. The <laughs> they're coming of- to town for some market research, <laughs> <and certain laughs> double blind studies. <laughs> <laughs> when you're getting your drug shipments through a trucking company, who do you choose? Um. So Skip's an idiot. (laughs) We're just going to move into this. Skip's an idiot and has a really nice chat at the car with Lou and Ben. And I think everything about Skip, (laughs) the way he talks, the way his mannerisms are, and how much of just a pile he is, is Jerry Lundegaard to a T. Right down to that jacket, too. He just looks like a goof. He's got that, like... He's a salesman. Of course he is. So, and what was Jerry, what was Jerry Lundegaard? He's a salesman. Cars. Yep. You know, and he, they're not just for women anymore. Oh, so, um, hey, uh, I guess I didn't even catch this before, but he's always talking your, about the new models. Are you going to bring up your, you bring up your favorite uh, movie? Your favorite movie? What's that? Your favorite movie I thought was The Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, yes. Isn't this a throwback to the... Well, that could be, too. They're not just for kids, or what was the line in Hudsucker? Yeah, uh, you know, for kids, for kids. Uh, yeah, for the kids, uh, for the kids. Is it for the kids? For the kids. No, for the kids. No, but what I was thinking was, um, <laughs> so Lundegaard sold cars. Yeah. Skip sells typewriters. Skip's constantly talking about, oh, you know, when the new models come in. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Lundegaard doing the exact same thing about the cars in Fargo? I think so. And he was he was also needing the money real bad. Yeah, he was needing the money. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He is Jerry Lundegaard. And All the way down. Oh, in, you yeah. know. Yeah, when they come in, it it'll be a thing. That's a real deal. <laughs> I know you don't Why didn't I realize thing. that before? I don't know. Awesome. I, I thought it was that way. And and so I love the aside that they have with him behind them. They literally stand in front of his window <laughs> and talk about and talk him. about how he's a squirrely MF. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then he's like, well, well it's okay then. Uh, you, yeah, you know, spaceships. Spaceships. Yeah. They're not just for women anymore. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, so we also, just briefly, because I don't think there's a lot that's super important about it, at least, at least until Noah Hawley calls me up and lets me know. Skip, Hansi, and Simone are at his place. They trap him because they're trying to find Rye. The only thing I love is when she's, I can't believe she's like, what do you say, red man? <laughs> you betcha. Can't get any more not Native American than you betcha. But is uh, that um, is that Indian in the butcher shop? Is that like a is that a red man? Uh, I don't know. It looks like the 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 Indian statue that would normally stand outside of like cigar stores, and right? Stuff. Where they would sell red man, right? Tobacco. That, that was a brand. Tobacco. Yeah, red man chewing tobacco. Yeah. Not to be uh, confused with the Wu Tang Clan member. Yeah. And or maybe furthering. Maybe then, oh, go ahead. Maybe it's a Wu Tang thing. Nah, I doubt it. <laughs> furthering the red slash orangish colors, whatever we want to call it. It's not harvest gold. I know that. Uh, Peggy, <laughs> Peggy, and Ed are just they suck at crashing the car. And man, it's so weird. They have, and I was going to talk about this later, but I'm going to talk about it now so you can think about it when we get when they do something later. But Okay. They they have they have something special between them, but it just it honestly it isn't like honest to God attraction. I don't even think it's attraction for Ed anymore. I think he's just kind of an empty vessel. He could be a large one. You know at what that. I mean? He doesn't really have a lot of feeling. I mean, the guy ground up somebody in a meat grinder and then put it next to some hollow bread he's, is what I'm assuming. He of all the boulder pushers, he's the one that stands out the most to me because, uh, you know, the second he got that body ground up it's just like now he's got to push the car he, he slams the car into the tree it it turns around by accident if and, and he, he, he hits the tree with the again. back of the car so that's the boulder he gets it up he pushes it he crashes it <gasps> wait now he's got to do it all over again maybe that's all it is that could Here's be the deal every episode first he has to figure out what to do with the body Ed's pushing the boulder up the hill. My wife killed a guy. What do I do? Okay, I put him in the freezer. Okay, now what? Solved. Nope, not solved. You got to get rid of the body. Okay, next episode. I got to grind up his body. (laughs) Fine. The flipping meat, right? Damn it. Okay, fine. Now, wait. There's there's a hole in the windshield. God God damn it. I got to do that. And then you got to do that again. He has to do it again. Pretty soon, that that flipping belt buckle that's in his fireplace is going to come back again. Maybe it's Ed. It's Ed. He's Sisyphus. He's every day, every episode, he has to do something to dodge, and all because of something stupid Peggy did. All because of uh, Rye's death. So, yes. Rye's death is the death of Sisyphus. Yeah. And Ed has taken (laughs) over his like Poor bastard. Afterlife punishment. So, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, blue car, red orange tow truck. We get it. They suck at that. And plus, she's talking about it out loud, and I'm like, don't you think the tow truck guy is going to hear you talking about the insurance fraud you're trying to do? But Oh, it also sets the tone to or that whole scene a little bit that um, that she comes from kind of a crummy, cheating family Yeah, that she knows so well how to cover up drunk accidents, you know, because the guy's all ground up and all. Back to the gear. Back to, to the gear. What do you do with a ground up body? 
I don't even know. You can't. I just hope. I don't. I don't want to think that people are actually eating it. Gross. I don't oh. think Ed's that bad. I mean, he knows there's bones to the, in there. You feed it to the raccoon. Sprinkle it. Eat. Sprinkle it on the uh, pavement to melt the ice. There you go. Um. So we're at the Gerhard compound, and uh, Bear and his son Charlie are having a a chat, and lo and behold. Bears eating. Lo and behold, the milk carton in the fridge, mm-hmm. blue and red, um, and very Cohen-esque movie where Charlie says, who, "You know, who'd want?" And they don't seem what is he, they don't seem like the kind of guys that would want to own half a car, right? When they're talking about maybe just selling part of selling the business half to Kansas part City. of the business, yeah, that's a good line for him. Yeah, but further further backing the whole He's situation sharp. that 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 Bear is in lockstep with Mom is Grandma agrees everything he's talking about. Grandma agrees. Grandma agrees. And throwing into your color theory that you have that we haven't really got into because I'm still not sold on some of your theory yet. But <laughs> but uh, I don't think I it's think quite Char- out yet. Charlie wants to be Dodd, though. That's why he wants to stick around and he can handle himself, even though things are going to go hinky. Um, I I think both, he's wearing all sorts of brownish colors, whereas his dad's wearing bluish colors and they kind of match the blue and orange that his mom's wearing, but uh, and Dodd wears all those brownie brown colors. I'm so putting I don't the know. browns I... and the reds in the same camp, though. Are you? Yeah. Are you? Uh, I mean, you can't get uh, too literal. The brown. I mean, brown is essentially. Yeah, yeah let's not get all designer about red. this now. <laughs> a darker. Either way, I, either way, he he wants to be more like Dodd. He wants to do something. Right. He doesn't and... want to go to school anymore. No, he he's wants to, like, he wants to he, he wants to be part of the biz. Yeah, he's he wants to use uh grandpa's stroke, yeah, as like a sort of an emergency. I mean, that's why he's not in school, I assume. It's his window. Yeah, that's his, his window w- to like not his his window of opportunity to now like get into the business. Screw school. He's a Gerhart. He is somebody. Yeah. He's a Gerhart. I don't need education. Um they so they cut to the scene opening the gate and I can't help but the guy with the poofy Hat ball thing looks like a Kaiser helmet <laughs> kind of thing from World War One German stuff as they open it up and all the dogs running around and I dogs everywhere. This what are scene, they doing? This scene is this scene is so good though. And what are they guarding? Like what is yeah. on the property that they're patrolling? Why are they just out walking in a field? Have you figured that out yet? Like, okay, so they run trucking, but what are they doing with the trucks? Are they running drugs, hookers, uh corn? I I want to know what they're into. Like, do they're you ever in notice the black that we market haven't... corn business? They had, they could be. They could be black just like corn. they could literally be like hijacking trucks of corn and just taking them to the elevator. Oh, yeah, this is bad. our corn. It's just bad corn. What's that bad corn? Wilahaka or no? Uh, Wilahaka. Wilahaka. Yeah. Sorry. Food reference. Um, but Lou and Ben show up. Everything's military, and um, it's not bad. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's moldy. Oh yeah, <laughs> came, back the, came back to that. I I think this is the beginning of the scenes that really tell us the kind of guy Lou is. Right. Um, this was where I thought the color was the best because in this scene, you have you have two. Um, let's see. I don't I hate to use the word pillar because I've been using that a lot, but so you're gonna use brown as red here, really. No, I'm talking about I'm talking oh, about okay. you have Frau Floyd and you yep. have Lou. Lou. And they are clearly the big red 
reddish sore thumbs. I mean, his, I'll, his he's wearing maroon. I mean, it's yeah, it's like a brownish maroonish. It's red. Let's just say it's red. Sure. Okay. I'll go. It's with in that. that family. Uh, so you got so those two. Well, either way, those two are standing out like sore thumbs, and everybody else is cast in like a bluish or like a dull, co- cool color. Yeah. So. Well, like it's all just the, the henchmen, dialogue, though, the, all the, the henchmen, dialogue. all the fleas, all those guys—they're all like blue. And then these two opposing forces, like even Ben Schmidt, is completely cast in blue, and he's on the—he's—he's he's law enforcement, but he's not like a—but everything he's wearing is blue. Everything. Yes. Those guys are all like their colors are making them recede, while these two characters are like battling it out. Yes. And then Dodd comes and screws it all up. Because Dodd's got something, he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's terrible. But I just love that Lou just like stepped right into it, just walked right into it. You know, you're, you know, you're dancing with the wrong girl comment. And am I the only one around here who understands the concept of law enforcement? (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I talk, you listen and you answer questions kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, they ask for a cop's gun and Ben Schmidt, the fucking poop, just. Oh, yep, 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 of course, here's my gun. (laughs) (laughs) What does Lou say? It's something about sentiment. It's got sentimental value, so I'm going to hang on to that. And then he just leans his elbow on it. That could be a Big Lebowski reference. Oh, good. Really ties the room together? No. Um, I just think it's it's a really, really tense scene, and you think things are going to unload, and it lets you know that if need be, Lou doesn't he's not going to mess around no he's you know we've already talked about his military career but he was did he say he was on a not a clipper was he i don't remember i was going to look that up to see what kind of ships those were in in reference to where um you know you know if he was in the navy and he was in vietnam the navy was really the best branch you could be in in vietnam because yeah. you kind of just sat out in the ocean. Well, you better hope we don't have any vets. Um, that. Well, there's an exception, <laughs> and I, I'm very, very close to this exception because my father was in the Navy, and yeah. he was in Vietnam. Now, there was a very small portion of the Navy that was referred to as the Brownwater Navy. Um, so we'll have to look up what kind of boat he was in because I could just ask yeah. my dad. But the Brownwater Navy is... Because they were in the jungle, in like basically, yeah. essentially like those Mock. hovercrafts, you know, yeah. basically a, a shrewd version of a boat with barely a motor on it or maybe a fan, <laughs> yeah. and you just cruise around with a fifty caliber machine gun <laughs> and your buddy. And so there, there was the oh, f- there was Florida. That. What? <laughs> oh, you mean Florida? <laughs> so. For gators? There was the brown water yeah. navy, and that sounded, yeah. uh, from what I've heard, terrifying. I'm sure. But maybe he was. Part I'm sure of that. none of it was good. But the bottom line being that yeah. he's a. We're off track here. Unlike Ben, he he's got his shit together, and you know this is where I was talking about earlier, where it's like, oh, Mod's boy, like he's not even his own person. Like when Dodd shows up, she doesn't even use his name. Mod's kid, kind of crap, um, but. It also, I think, proves that 
Lou is not a Lou's not afraid to show his hand. He's not afraid to say, "Oh yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm just looking for him, but I mean, I need to find him before this Mike Milligan guy looks for him." You guys heard of him? And he knew. I mean, he knew that they knew. Of his course. Name. Yeah. And he was just he's just shutting down the situation. Yep. So nice. Hey, I'm nice, gonna take nice clothes. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take one more uh, break here to thank our sponsor Fargo Brewing. Cool. They were on they were on board last year. They're on board this year. I just finished one, and I have no more beer right now. But that's fine. We we really want you to just go and check out their website. That's what we're doing this year. If you if you are local or in the area visiting in the Fargo area, you need to go and check out their tap room and just go to fargobrewing.com and you can find out where their tap room is. You can go buy it. You can also click on a- any of their brews and find out what each one is and the thing. But I, what I would also say to do is if you're in Fargo or Moorhead or Bismarck, North Dakota, Mandan, Minot, St. Cloud, Sock Rapids, Minnesota, Grand Forks, Dickinson, Parks, Pick City, Jeez, this list is growing. Valley City, Mayville, North Dakota. I'm trying to see. Detroit Lakes, Perham, Park Rapids. Hey, Bemidji, just like last season. Audubon, Rorchert. They're they're all over the place. I'm you pretty need to sure go. there's like six people in Pick City. I'm just looking for South Dakota here. Hold on. Where are we at? There's Yeah, but I bet you those people in that there really, really love, <laughs> love Fargo Brewing. Why? Because their beer is awesome and they support our show. So go to FargoBrewing.com. And look it up and check out what's going on. They also are all over in all sorts of liquor stores across the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. So they're not just some uh, podunk little operation here in Fargo. They got a nice big facility. They got a great tap room and they're brewing a lot of fantastic beer. And the number one beer we think you should go check out based on this show is the Wood Chipper IPA. It's really good. And if you're not going to check that out and you're like, oh, I need to try something different, you need to go check out their O-Fest Oktoberfest cans. That's seeing as we're still in October, you should go check that out. But they'll also be at the um, Sioux Falls Craft Beer Expo November 7th. So you can go check that out if you're from South Dakota. There you go. Speaking of, That's pretty cool. Speaking of Sioux Falls, yeah. right? Very nicely done, Benny So boy. we cannot, we can't, I like, say this every week, but I mean it every week. Can't thank them enough for stepping up to sponsor the show. Fargobrewing.com. And if you do go into the thing, tell them Bill and Sharpie sent you. And then yes. while you're there, ask if you can cover my tab. That's there. Just feel free to take care of that, or throw one on my tab. Let's see how that. Yeah, works. Yeah, throw it on Bill's tab. <laughs> tell tell him Bill's running a tab. I'll buy the first uh, twenty beers. That's an interesting Go. idea. That's well, let's, in stone let's now. Happens. You realize that? Ah, it's if well, if it's on, if it's on a podcast, it's real. Let's see if that. <laughs> if it's on <laughs> the podcast, here. then that podcast is on the internet. Yeah, it's look real. here, son. Man has baby. That's a fact. Mom, the weekly world news is not the So do paper. it. Go to the brewery. <laughs> have beer by Sorry, you, Bill. I s- slipped right into... I, slipped did right I say have beer by you, Bill? <laughs> yeah, you might have. Let's just uh, skip over that, okay? <laughs> I haven't even had a beer yet. No, well, get it together. Okay, so thank you, Fargo Brewing Company. Fargo, speaking of Fargo Brewing, in the story, we're back in Fargo. Back at the carriage typewriter shop, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So we see, so Lou is going back. I mean, this, a lot of people are well, mentioning that this is a, a call, a throwback to no country for old men's scene, uh, where basically they're going back to the scene of the crime. Now the crime didn't happen in the carriage shop, but 
Well, that in the No Country for Old Men with the way the lock was knocked out, that uh, we got a nice message from at Mark Wallander about that. Yeah, so that was a good catch. Uh, the lock on the floor was very similar to the fashion of the lock being punched out on yeah. No Country for Old Men, which if you haven't seen, you better. Oh, yeah. So we so we ha- so we have Lou back at the or Lou at the carriage typewriter shop and <laughs> he gets dropped off because <laughs> Ben is such a sissy. Yeah, he's just like he's boy. done. He's out. Uh nope, he's gotta get back, uh, take care of some business back at the office. Business papers. Business papers. It's business. It's business time. Anyway. And we run into Kansas City. Now, this is... Man, every scene Mike Milligan is is the best. I love this guy. So, a very tense standoff we have here. Even though we know that nobody's going down quite yet, I just love this tension as things are starting to wind up. The whole whole universe is really winding up very tightly now. And it's about to spring. Something has to. Did you notice the uh, one of the Kitchen Brothers came out of the bathroom reading a magazine called UFO? Oh, I did not. Yeah. You don't say. Yeah. Back that tape up. I will. I told you, I pause on the second watch through. I pause on a lot of scenes. I just look around. Oh, yeah, the there crap. it is. I'm looking at it right now. UFO. And the Kitchen Brothers, these guys are great. So I love, I mean, when they're pointing the guns at each other, it's... It's the same frame, but I think it's even better when they're leaving and and Milligan's like, I am not a crook. Well, yeah. those brothers are both in I mean the one's the one has a black jacket, but he's got like a red scarf on or something like that. And the other one's yeah. got like a reddish brown jacket. So they're like these warmish reddish colors and they're framing Mike Milligan blue. perfectly in all blue. And I just love that. And people are probably gonna get sick of us talking about that, but it's just so beautiful, and we can move on, you know, on the next show. But I think in this particular episode, it is so prominent. I mean, you gotta look, go back and look at these scenes. That when they're pointing the guns at each other, there is a bright ass blue typewriter sitting on a table, um, right next to. And do you notice they're a mirror of each other? Not only that, like yeah, one even of them, they're like birthmark, like uh, or they're gray well, patches. Well, well, that and one of them is holding the gone on the you know if you're staring at the screen on the right side of mike milligan or to mike milligan's left he that guy has his left hand on the trigger yep, that's right hand on the barrel and on the other side the guy in like the kind of maroon jacket has his left hand on the barrel right hand on the they trigger. are a mirror yep that's why they have one name kitchen there's really kitchen. just one yeah there's only been kitchen. one the whole time gail and wayne Gale and Wayne. I keep wait. Wasn't there a? I don't remember. Never mind. Don't worry about it. I'll bring it back later. Mental note. Um. Yeah, that scene. The scene is awesome, and everything. Everything he's in is just so tense. But he has these like moments of lightness that are just ridiculous. <laughs> and basically, did Lou make a yo mama joke? Basically, about using the back door to go yes. see his mom. <laughs> I was just like, really? Uh, that that you yeah, know? Right okay, door. so here you go. You want to call that out? Nineteen? I don't know. That one seemed it was funny, but it seemed borderline out of character. 
for a Minnesotan to go Ab- straight for the absolutely somebody's bone in your mom joke. I that think, seems very. That's very. I, the other I not feel passive like aggressive stuff. Maybe was. that they can. Maybe Noah Hawley feels he can sneak it, like get by with a couple of those because they're fun, you know. Yeah. Um. My un. I don't know how she came across it, but my sister sent me. I just need to talk about Mike Milligan, this Minnesota nice thing, and how it's you know the what did he say? Um, he said it's like you're doing me a favor. Um, and how Minnesota nice isn't nice, and if you don't live here, you don't actually know how to. Most people think we are being nice, but there's a lot of times we're really not being nice. I it's texted you when, that, when they said that line. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking. I'm just talking in I general. Agree. Uh, about about that and that if but that's the thing I like about Mike Milligan is that he knows he knows of he course he knows totally he's knows, an outsider if I can remember I will put a link to it in the show notes there's a my sister sent this to me and she doesn't even really watch TV my sister doesn't have cable I don't think she has an antenna so I don't know what made her think of this but she somehow came across a thrillist.com article uh, and it's called Midwestern Nice, a tribute to my sincere and suffocating way of life and it's got all these pictures of Marge and her Marge Gunderson and it talks about Lou Salverson and everything in here, but it's written by a guy who um, grew up in the Midwest for thrill the the thrillist and uh, yeah, it's he, they they talk about um, there's a line where it says so so for instance a Northeast Jewish mother takes the most direct approach to her passive aggressiveness and would say something like oh you're going out tonight even though you're only home three nights from school. No, I understand. You're Mr. Popular, so if you want to leave your poor mother, that's fine. Okay, so there's that. And then, for instance, a Southern Baptist mother brings up Jesus for backup and says, going out tonight with those boys, do you really think that's what an upstanding young Christian man would be should be doing? Right? Okay. Midwest mom going out. You sure? That's it. <laughs> You know that's true. I mean, my mother would say things like, with very little, and it's just super passive aggressive. You know, I'd be like, I would tell her something like, "Mom, don't do that. You're just, you're just making, you're just trying to make me feel guilty." And she's like, "I can't make you feel guilty." Meaning, and I wanted she'd say that, and my brother and sister would even vouch for that. That she was basically saying, "Well, I'm not making you feel guilty. What you're doing is, right, and you just don't know it, and that's the only reason you feel that way." But yeah, you, they can say a lot without saying a lot. There's, it's, it's the eye roll, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible, but Mike Milligan picks up on it and it's a hundred percent accurate. 100%. His line about it is super, super true. I wonder are what we nice? inspired that. Yes. We are very nice in general though, but it's really hard sometimes to pick up on when we're actually being dicks. Tense shit, either way. Nixon. I, I have nothing for that. But I agree that it's correct, and I'm really curious as to what inspired that to be in there. Well, I'm, I'm curious about what inspired that to be in there. How about... I'm curious, yeah, the true the true thing behind that. What I'm still curious about is the next scene at the gas station. Oh, how weird where was Where people that? are talking about circular patterns and... Such a night was two nights past. Like this guy is speaking in very <laughs> like the, the caretaker to the zoo. Yeah, right. What was he? He. I mean, if maybe if that character was, I mean, no, I don't even want to say that. Somebody like uh, at all? It's, it's just, just, it's just it is not that 
was like a voice that was being channeled through this Midwestern guy at a gas station. <laughs> Maybe it was the visitor's <laughs> voice that they were channeling through him because there's no way he would be saying lines like that. Do you do you want to play that clip or do? We... Oh yeah, I got yeah. Let me hear here. Let's play it. Here we go. Rapid fire. Some round, some oval. <laughs> What's that, friend? Circular patterns. Unnatural. Bright. <laughs> Hovering in the sky. You know, they come only in the odd months. The visitors. Always in sets of three. Such a night was two nights past. Reports from Mankato to Vermilion. Feel Shakespearean. From above. Yep. Such a night was two nights past. Some say they take you to their ship and probe you in places you don't want to mention. I believe the purposes are more benevolent as the caretaker to the zoo. When strange happenings occur, they are near. Volkswagen. Strange happenings, huh? I wondered what was causing that. <laughs> that that's a fleshy car. What do you what do you call that? It's not a soliloquy because a soliloquy would be you're on stage alone giving a yes, I believe so. I don't know. So what was that? Do you know what I mean? It felt very like theatrical Shakespearean. It did. Like I'm watching something from a midnight a, a midsummer night's dream. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus um, H. He, it is. I mean, he even starts off like very staccato. In a way that you wouldn't have a conversation with another human being. You wouldn't start a conversation like, with rapid fire. Rapid fire. They come in all shapes. Sometimes sometimes yeah. circular, sometimes oval. Yeah. <laughs> of course the person's going to be like, dude, WTF, are you talking about? Like, you, just don't, you just don't start talking like that. That's why it's, it's as if it's not really him saying those words. Yes. Um. I mean, we really can't Whatever. go further into it, but it was <laughs> it was it interesting. was interesting. Yes, <laughs> i i want to I want to hang out with Noah Hawley. I just we know I you just want to hang out, just ask questions. Like, dude, what up with that? What up we, with that? What up with that? I said, ooh we Um. So the Blomquist got to take the bus, and I love. The fact that it's a voiceover, yep, a scene of them not talking to each other, a perfect symbol of their disconnect. Yes, there's just they're they're so close, but there's so much space between those two. And granted, here's the deal too: yeah, from a human perspective, not a fictional thing. If I had just done that with my wife, I doubt I'd be riding the bus going, "Hey, have you been to that new bakery in town?" <laughs> you know, if I'm just like cleaning up one of the last what what I think in Ed's case, until they find the belt buckle, it, you know, the, of a murder my wife basically committed. Well, is it a mur- manslaughter? Mm. I mean, think about it. All this ties back just to the fact that Peggy screwed up and and just couldn't own it and that he, for whatever reason, cares and owes so much to her, you know, and she's the one who called him a paladine earlier, which is yeah. like one of the, which is like a knight, you know, uh, from Chaucer or something in that range. And, you know, so he saved her and it's like, she, it's almost like he wanted her 
more. And then after she did this, he's a little lost in the world. And now on the other side of that coin, she still kind of wants him because she needs him, even though she's going to do her uh, all about me training She needs seminar. him, but she'll be quick to throw him under the bus, I think, if, if shit hits the fan. Yes. She's, she's also much like, much like Floyd. I can't tell if she's a deep cave and it's empty or if there's a treasure of stuff that's going to come out of there. <laughs> I just I find it very hard to believe that she's that that she'd take that role of that character if she's that empty in the script. Mm. I don't think Dunst. she's empty. I it's, I think it's certainly a complex character. No, I know, but I feel like something else has to come to the surface. Sure. Some it's going to have to get more complex, and we're going to have to understand. Do you more. think she's going to survive the season? Yes. Okay. Do you think Ed's going to survive the season? No. Do you think we will see Betsy live through the season? She won't get uh, killed, but will we see her pass? No. Will Hank Larson survive the season? If we see, let me put it this way: if we see her, it will be towards the end of the series in a flash forward, where Lou is out of his job. And is taking care of Molly because she has passed. Be, after this, after all the bodies that's a are great stacked way. up, that that seems very plausible. That seems it'll it'll close with him moving to some. He'll it'll close with him moving to a different small Minnesota town to raise his daughter alone. and get away from the event, the prop, the event. Yep, just it'll like just Sioux be Falls. those two. Sioux Falls, or sorry, he says Sioux Falls all over again. It'll be um, those two, and they're gonna be eating a cheeseburger. Yeah. So because we're talking about them, um. Yeah, Lou and Hank are talking, and uh, you you brought up in the show notes that it's the second mention of High Noon, and there's this clip I need to play for you, right? Uh, yeah, if you want, it's real quick. It's just... Um, okay. Of Lou. Of this Lou. is the Lou one. Yep. Go see the Gerhardts, then? It's been real High Noon, my day. Gerhardts and uh, ran into those Kansas City fellas you pulled over. Milligan. And, um, what do you have? The Bathroom Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I Those love the, talk, the yeah. Bathroom Brothers. Mm-hmm. We pointed our weapons at each other for a bit before calling it a day. That's the part I like the most. Oh. I, like the, I like the fact that he said, and we pointed our guns at each other and then called it a day. It's just, it didn't phase him. I'm, I think that's why I think his military service was different. I feel like he's had guns pointed at him before. Sure. He's not just some boat floater guy. Um, or whatever he's seen, he's seen. I just feel, else. yeah, or, I just feel like the navy was his, an interesting choice. I'm not like trying to like his downplay the navy's role. No, 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 no. Um, I know. It's just his resolve. It's the way he is. Sure. So I thought that was interesting because it was the second reference to High Noon, and I don't know if they're making a reference, you know, specifically to the Gary Cooper movie High Noon, um, which was extremely tense and was just sort of this real-time portrayal of this a couple hours where the yeah. main character was about to stand off against basically an army of bad dudes, and he was kind of all alone in that battle, struggling to find people to be on his side and, and having them recede and run away. Yeah. Um, so I think we kind of... High noon's in a lot of stuff, though. Sure. It could just I mean, be that we're true. we're it's closing a, we're closing in on a showdown. A, yeah, that's right. That's right. 
It's he just doesn't know who he's gonna have the showdown with. It's probably a reference to Shanghai Noon, is what it probably is. <laughs> with that, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So Simone and Dodd are at the dig. He, he wants you to meet him at the dig. The dig. Hans, he wants you to meet at the dig. Digs. Uh, I. There's a lot to me that is somewhat disturbing about this interaction between he and his daughter, and it's not just about the fact that he slaps her. Oh, my God. I mean, it's his daughter. You forget for a second that it's his daughter, and he's not, like, beating down his girlfriend or something. This is, like, his oh, child. As if not that, as that, if makes that it would better, be okay. But... <laughs> well, what was scarier to me was on the second listen, I didn't. I was so like, whoa, geez, he just hit her. What a dick. The second time through, I realized what she said to him was, is that getting you hard? Right. And it's it's like does that that either either a there's some sort of sexual weirdness to it, but not that's probably. why you've she, heard, I think she just means he gets off on beating up women, which makes me wonder that what happened to her. A, mom. He does he doesn't value women, and that's why he doesn't want his mom in charge. He thinks a man needs to run things because he's a f- fucking idiot <laughs> man. And that he values boys because he's like, you know, why this is what happens. He gave me four girls and I wanted a boy. Um, but I mean, awful. He's a horrible human being. He is. I hope he's. I mean, mouth when cancer he from slams the car door on her legs. On her. I have to admit, I felt like that was an accident and they just kept it. Yeah. <laughs> like somewhere after that scene got cut, she was like, oh my God, you just slammed my foot <laughs> in the fucking door. <laughs> He just snaps out. He's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." Oh jeez. But either way, the just the whole thing, the slap, the, is that getting you hard? And then just the grabbing her and so forcefully like throwing her into the truck, and it's it's all bad. And it says a lot about Dodd. And unfortunately, it says a lot about the kind of woman Simone is, uh, in terms of being damaged and seeking attention. Because I think she was real proud that she had brought her dad to this place right. to, <laughs> kill, to eventually kill a guy, <laughs> you know, no big whoop. My dad just needs to bury a guy in asphalt. So yeah, skip's not useful and they bury him in hot asphalt. I'm still, dude, I don't know if I buy it. I know you were talking about things you said. We don't um, even get into it. We can get it, into it but, because I went back and did my research and I watched like all the trailers and everything. And the specific scene I was thinking of, it wasn't yeah. that guy. It was a guy that kind of looks like him. So yeah. Plus, where's Carl Weathers? Can I ask that right now? I want to know where Carl Weathers is. I feel like I want some more Carl Weathers back to talk about the military-industrial complex. We'll get him back. Yeah. But Skip definitely, you know, the scene in uh, Rye's apartment, he, She's Simone's pulling him by the tie. He's obviously very into his tie, and the poor thing is just sticking out of the dirt. Like a, the, the tie has always been just like a, a symbol of Skip, and... What we were talking about earlier was I, I mentioned in the hot dish that I didn't think Skip was going to be actually dead. I thought maybe he dug himself he's out dead. or something because I thought he was in some scenes that we haven't seen yet. Turns out I was mistaking him for a different character. Skip, yeah. Skip definitely be gone. <laughs> Skip's dead. He just, and it's just so, it's just like a it yeah. is kind of like a Lundergaard move where he's just like, I mean he's he's putting he's putting himself right in that hole. Yep. He's like, well, okay, I'm going to just go okay, lay down yep, here. Well, Can I? Make well, sure I got right, to be comfortable here. <laughs> okay, goodbye then. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, why so, wouldn't you just jump out of that hole and run? I'd, 
take my chances with a bullet. I like that last little goodbye of Skip. His tie waving in the wind, sticking yeah, up out of that nice. asphalt. So I don't know. Oh, I yeah. think that's our. I think that's our recap, don't you? I'd say we pretty much covered it there, Bill. I think. Uh, I feel we have to be headed for somebody or something to die, or at least some gunfire has to happen next sure. week. We've had at least don't a death you? per episode, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But you know. I think those kitchen boys, those bathroom brothers. <laughs> the kitchen boys, the bathroom bros. And they're, you know, with their prog rock band. The bodies will start hitting the floor. Yeah. So I guess, uh, Wolves, thanks for listening. I'm Bill. That's my buddy Sharpie. Yep. You can and, uh, uh, follow me on Twitter. That's at C-H-A-R-P-I-E, at Sharpie. Um, and if you go right now. You can check out a little beer can design I did for Fargo Brewing Company, and then you can oh. hire me to design cans for your brewery. If you follow <laughs> me at L-E-M-P-E, you can see a tweet I put out today with a link to a YouTube video for the Squatty Potty Unicorn video. I watched that. Yeah, That great. is interesting. I, I highly recommend you do that. Yeah, you should go see that. Otherwise, you can just follow us for the show at, at Fargo Talks Fargo or... You can go and check us out on Facebook at, at, Far, or at Fargo. You can go find us at facebook.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo. And, you know, we have asked for some reviews on iTunes if you got them. And, ooh, hey, Sharpie, I didn't tell you, we got accepted into the new Google podcast thing. So um, we're not available on that yet. Google hasn't actually launched it, but we put ourselves in for the program. We've got accepted so when the time comes, if you're an Android user and you're enjoying the Google Play Store, very shortly you will be able to uh, be able to download those through that. So otherwise, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, uh, through our website, FargoTalksFargo.com. So I would say uh, until next time, later. I'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs>